1: In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
0: Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. We're in Malaga City with superstar comedian Bill Bailey having tappers by the cathedral fresh after seeing his latest tour. As well as being sublimely entertaining, Bill is possibly the world's most well-traveled comedian. We talk childhood holidays, the coronavirus, touring, languages, politics, birding, wildlife, Indonesia, moths, crazy car rides, free tea, dancing bears, growing up in the West Country, teenage bands and organ playing in crematoriums and so much more. All over a nice glass of Spanish red and some cheese. We're delighted to have Bill Bailey on the Big Travel Podcast. So sh- I should say we're in a very noisy bar in the ne- next to the cathedral in yes. Malaga. It's called El Jardin. Yes. And we saw your show last night, which I absolutely loved. And talking of languages, which I kind of was with my El Jardin, yeah. you actually speak Spanish. I was very impressed. You gave a, a, a convincing... You convinced me that you speak Spanish. Good.
1: Well, that's right. I I mean, the thing is, I just think that um, I always try and learn a bit of the language wherever I am. I just think it's a sort of a mark of respect more than anything. And also, it's quite good. I think it it can lead you into all sorts of, you know, different areas territories you haven't thought about, like, you know, translating things into Spanish. It's quite quite a fun thing to do you know I mean i would do that with lots of languages but you know comparing it with other languages you know that it's more romantic than some of the northern more harsher languages like Dutch you know. You know, all that sort of Flemish.
0: But you sound like... Um, something I've been talking about with a lot of friends recently that yeah. um, that speak different languages. And something I noticed about you last night, and obviously you're doing mm. it for dramatic effect, but you, you sound like a completely different person in mm. Spanish than you mm. do, say, in German. It's like your personality changes. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's true. I think that's true. I mean, I think that... Um, you know, I've always thought that, that when you're trying to learn another language, you sometimes... There's a sort of something gets lost people say it's lost in translation, but yeah, your personality changes a little personality bit changes. because sometimes you know that you're what you're trying to express is is inhibited a little bit by by the language. Or perhaps you've you're you're more formal, perhaps or more you're more focused on getting the words right. So like you know, in our native tongue we could be expansive or we could send ourselves up a bit we can you know there's nuances of behavior and personality which we're sort of of a little bit lost in when you your your vocabulary or your language is is inhibited but in some ways you become more forthright you sound I mean like in in Spanish or German some of these languages that I know a little bit of I sound like I'm really decisive
0: (laughs) Like you know what you're talking about I know what I'm talking yeah. about. And anyone else in English? is like
1: Because I'm just focusing on those words. I go, yeah, is what he's talking about. And I don't. Like,
0: I was talking to someone who has a Spanish wife, and he was—he actually said she doesn't really know me because I speak to her in Spanish. So she, he doesn't actually—he doesn't actually really know like who she, who no, he re- really is. Yeah, yeah, his real core. That's interesting. It's not, yeah. yeah, so he's yeah. like living a total lie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's his wife life. doesn't know
1: it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Exactly. He seems so charming.
0: Yeah. He, no, but i, I, I actually have seen people that I've known from a long time ago who've got a spouse from a different country I yeah. think, we wouldn't have gone out with you at home. No. <laughs> Sounds cruel, yeah, but yeah. it's true. But fair. But fair, exactly. Yeah. So you're here touring and this is the big travel podcast so we talk about people's lives through travel now. I know okay. you've, you've travelled okay. an awful lot. Mm. Um, is touring a travel experience?
1: Yeah, it is very much so. Uh, and I think also that you know by performing in places working in all these places I go to I, I, not oh every time but a lot of the time you do get a bit more of an insight into a place just because you have to work there and you get to know you meet people and you you know trying to make them laugh I mean that's the sort of you know that's the job that's the job <laughs> it's a reckless foolhardy <laughs> profession but in the in the course of doing that you get to sort of find out what what makes people tick a little bit and you get to almost like fast track yourself into a bit more of a kind of psyche of a place because you get to talk to a lot of people I always talk to cab drivers and talk to people and about politics and what's going on and you know and so yeah it's it's quite a can be quite a rich experience
0: and do you think that you, I, what I like about you is you seem to get the time to actually look around and do stuff because I know people that tour and it's just bam, bam, bam. Yeah, that's you right. Know, but here that's we right. are
1: in the tapas bar in Malaga. Yeah. You no, cycle, don't you? I do quite a lot of cycling, yeah. I love getting on the bike and uh, when I've been in this part of the world before, you know, we always, when I was here last summer with my son, we went we rented um, mountain bikes. And we saw one of them all around the trails because there's loads of trails. Spain's fantastic for that. You know? So, but yeah, I mean, I, guess, I suppose I, I use it as a way of trying to get to know a place, you know. And, and actually, all of that is good fodder sometimes for the show, you know, it's grist to the mill, everything is up for grabs you know, to be processed into a show. Including
0: so, Torre Molinos when you were a kid, what, what was Torre Molinos yeah. like when you came here the first time round?
1: Well, I was trying to figure out when it was and I, was, I, I guess I must have been nine or ten and uh, it was, I mean, it was, a, it was just a classic British package holiday. You know, we, it was my family, my mother's brother, so we had aunts, uncles, my grandparents came. I mean, I, honestly, my dad, I don't, yeah, he deserves a medal for organising this. Everyone had different needs, you know, food, oh, I don't like that, oh, I'm too hot, and too cold, oh, what's this, oh, I don't like that. And he managed to organise the whole thing. My memory of it was, we were in a hotel, which seemed to be still been built. I just remember being a lot of banging and crashing going on while we were. And we, me and my cousin, digging sandcastles on the beach. I do remember that. And, uh, and I remember in the evening we all would meet in my dad, mum and dad's room. And my dad would take the order. He said because the first night was a disaster. You know, like nobody knew what anything was. They couldn't foreign, figure stuff. It out. foreign stuff. What's this? What's this, Christopher? I don't know what that is. Then what's that? It just went, it took ages. You know, so. <laughs>
0: But things are different than they were, like, not I don't know about you, but my kids have like grown up eating like you know wanky stuff like sushi and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't, and then they're quite happy chew on an octopus leg. But yeah. they, back of then, you, you wouldn't eat the. No. The you,
1: weird wouldn't, stuff, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have really. any of that stuff. No. In fact, um, it was a big deal when the Chinese takeaway opened across the road. You know, that was a big deal. You know that. that was a, that was a family get together for the chow mein.
0: And did you go on a lot of family holidays when you
1: were a kid? We did, yeah. You know, it was a sort of, uh, you know, a huge kind of gaggle of us. We'll all go off somewhere. And I think it's because it was just around about a time when sort of jet travel was so much now more affordable, you know, sort of like started in the late season. Well, I remember, though. I can remember as a kid, my mum talking about an aunt, and she'd married a Dutch bloke. <laughs> And he was he,
0: sort he, of, he never really knew her. No, oh, the never, other, uh, they never yeah, knew her. Yeah, no, 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 that's right.
1: <laughs> and um, and then he was a sort of he was head quite he was quite well off, he was quite flamboyant. He was like an antique dealer or something. And, and and she was she was amazed how many times they got planes. Oh they are getting planes all the time. They get flights. All the time, like we get a bus, you know. And it was a big deal then, to get on, you know, fly somewhere, it was an extravagance. So about the sort of early 70s, mid 70s, I suppose it would have been. Yeah. Then lots of people were when we flew from Bristol Airport, which was a kind of a new, a new thing.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: And it was a new, you know, on a pink jet somewhere. Oh, it was.
0: It was the whole rise of the package holiday. I think we've all grown up with that, haven't we? Yeah. Now I'm just I'm hoping we're not seeing the demise of the package holiday. Well, not the package holiday, but well, everything seems to be closing left, right, and yeah. centre. We got like a, an airline. Uh, well, I was going to say crash, but that's the wrong word, isn't it? Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> that's what <it'd> <laughs> like, yes. We don't talk oh. about that, and we don't mention the c-word in the travel industry. No, no, yet, so that's hello. right. No, or the viruses, you no, know. We don't, don't we that, them, no, don't mention that. No, that yeah, <laughs> no, no,
1: was a shame. Fiby, it was based in yes, Exeter. Yes, I was going to you know, say. And, but, uh, yeah, I know, and, it, and used, we've used it a lot over the, you know, particularly when we're touring around the Highlands and Islands up in Scotland. You know, that's what we use all the time. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I've noticed though recently that more and more people are holidaying in the UK and not and actually going overseas. I mean, I've we've got a place down in Devon and um, we go there quite a lot. But I've noticed a huge numbers of people go there now, way more every year and I think it started a few years ago. Various things. I guess well, you know, there's all this sort of threats of you know, idea and the cost of everything and then the sort of crash and the downturn and people sort of being more careful with their money, whatever. And then I think I think people just generally realise it's actually really nice.
0: It is really nice isn't it? It's actually mm-hmm. really nice down there.
1: You know, why would you know, I mean you know obviously I travel a lot for work and go everywhere but yeah, it can be a hassle sometimes and so you think yeah we got the kids we just bung in the car or we'll get on the train and go down to Devon yeah. and, um, it's nice lo- it
0: is really lovely and I think like even you know Devon I lived down in Devon for a while and yeah. um, Painton. it's really it could be like uh, the Mexican coast there you know I remember like, one time being at sunset having this sunset yeah. walk and it's just absolutely stunning it's the weather though isn't
1: it You know. well that's the thing yeah. although you know we just had I don't know nine of the ten driest summers you know, since records began, since 2000. I just read yesterday, we had the warmest winter
0: yeah. ever. Yeah, you know, it hasn't been hideous, which is, is, is the wrong way of looking at it. Technically, for the planet, it probably has been hideous.
1: It has been, yeah. But, I mean, it does, it does, that does have an effect on it, though. definitely, I think. You know, it does factor in what people do, it changes their travel habits. Yeah, it's
0: changing a lot of people. It's something I talk about a lot on the radio and Mm. TV. Mm. It is changing a lot of people, but they're the people that think about it. And maybe we are the people that think about it. The people that aren't thinking about it are just, you know, they've saved all the year and they want to go on their package holiday. And you know, who can blame them? I I feel exactly the same. You've become a a massive traveler through work. Mm. And I know you're a huge wildlife fan. Tell me about the, uh, the the wildlife fantasy. I was going to say fetish. Tell fetish. me about the wildlife fantasy. Well, uh, fetish. that's
1: something yeah. totally... That's a, that's a different sort <laughs> totally of program different, entirely. Totally, totally
0: different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't um, that how the whole coronavirus started, yeah, by the way?
1: well, actually, I, I know how that started, <laughs> how by the way. Do, do you want to know how yeah, it started? On, yeah, right. You know, there's... Uh, in, in Wuhan... There's, um, there's this um, uh, biological research lab and there was a big conspiracy theory going around that it was a, they were trying to make a bioweapon and it leaked out and all that no it didn't that's all that's all conspiracy la la because it wouldn't it's actually it's um it's, it's run by the french so the french don't let that sort of thing happen and anyway there's protocols to stop it happening but what 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 i do believe i mean i actually seriously do believe this is what, how, how it started in the, in the lab they experiment on animals and one of the animals they experiment on is a pangolin you know the pangolin is the most trafficked animal in the world and the pangolins are much prized in China because of their scales as to their healing properties and all that. Anyway, what happens in these labs? They experiment on the pangolins because the pangolin's got a DNA which is particularly conducive to studying viruses. Anyway, at the end of the study, they're supposed to euthanize them and cremate them out of the back. But pangolins are worth a lot of money on the open market. And research assistants don't get paid very much. So what's, what happens is they smuggle them out of the lab and flog them down the market for top dollar. And this is what's happened. I'm 100% convinced. So
0: the, the pangolins have got the virus yes. and then been flogged in the market.
1: And instead of being sort of, you know, incident incinerated, they've been flogged at the market oh God, it like doesn't bear thinking for about for like a thousand dollars and that's like you know I don't know I mean, how many months worth of salary that represents no.
0: so I mean, the whole thing doesn't bear thinking about they're no. actually experimenting on the pangolins in the first place
1: yeah exactly so yeah that's that's yeah. Uh, I, I think that's uh, there you go that's my but the, the wildlife
0: fetish
1: <laughs> that, the, the no, wildlife fetish, that. no, no, but the fetish. Wild, no but, you know, it's true I mean, I mean I'm big I'm a bird uh, I love it. if I can get out and watch birds it started out as a thing just to sort of you know Um, it's it's a great way to uh, uh, you know break up a a touring schedule you know because otherwise you tend to be sort of stuck in hotels for like weeks months on end you get a bit stir crazy and you have to try and get out and do something And, and, and I always try and do that everywhere I go just go out somewhere and actually birding is quite a good excuse you know it's just like you can just because you know, it will usually take you somewhere quite nice, anyway. And if not that, then if I'm in a somewhere warm, I will go diving, you know, scuba diving or something, or maybe just out hiking, rambling, you know. So um, it's
0: better than sitting around in a bar, isn't it? Well, otherwise, yeah, you yeah. start to
1: go, you can get a bit kind of a bit crazy. still. be of
0: sitting around in a bar, we should probably we can order some food if you like while we're doing this. Oh, people, oh, I was hoping you might order some. Oh, well stuff, done, like great,
1: great. brilliant, Egg and chips, is it? Yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah, traditional,
0: cheese. traditional yeah. Uh, Spanish. It ju- actually it is quite a traditional Spanish meal fried egg and chips is it? yeah but it's just um it's nicer it's with, with a little olive oil twist pork. exactly yes. it's olive oil and salt it's actually egg and chips is really nice here all
1: oh, right oh yeah. perhaps i should have said egg and chips then
0: is that for you oh, right. it, it's wow. it's that's for the loudest phone thing. In the world. <laughs> that's not
1: from the 1970s i was going to say 1992 like on <laughs> <laughs> with a little speaker attached to it talking of yeah. birding this is yes. a good
0: time to give my my friend who does a podcast called the casual birder podcast and she's tried to get through to you and can't get past your cast-iron management. Oh, but she'd the, love yeah, the to the have paywall. you on. Yeah, the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Her name's Susie Buttress, and she sent me a question to ask you. She said, when and what was the most unexpected birding moment you have had? Um, Any crazy birding moment? A
1: crazy birding moment. I think, actually, I, I mean, it was unexpected. Um, just sort of, but also, I mean, not entirely unexpected, but it's just, it adds another layer to the experience. It was just happened the other week. I mean, that was, for me, that's just right up there. I was up in um, Baquera Barret, which is on the, sort of in the Pyrenees, on the sort of Spanish-French border, and I was skiing there with, with my son. And um, we were up at about 3,000 meters. And then... Just sort of like from behind the mountains, this gigantic bird appears. It's a huge bird, just sort of like cruising around. And it's um, it was a vulture, a griffin vulture. And these things, they don't look. I mean, they look like sort of fantasy. They look like you know a mythical beast. They don't even look real. And I was so, I was just transfixed by this thing because I knew that they were around, but I didn't. And you know, when you're up in the mountains, you know, you know, sort of, you see something like that. It just almost sort of elevates the whole experience. And then also you sort of think, yeah, vultures, they're just waiting for someone to fall off.
0: <laughs> like, how good is my skill? <laughs> <just, yeah>, exactly.
1: <laughs> my you think, confidence. i better concentrate a bit more. <laughs>
0: I don't want to break a leg and end up on the mountain.
1: I oh, know, the vulture's looking at you, yeah, 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 yeah. Just watch your parallel turns there.
0: Do you think he was picking on you in particular? Yeah. Birders, the birders I've met are a bit odd. I'm really sorry, Susie and Bill, basically. But um, yeah, they I, are. I, they're a bit odd. There's something a bit unusual yeah. about it.
1: No, no, well, there's, there's different levels of birders. I mean, there's like... But, there's, but I have considered myself just a sort of casual birder. Like Susie's know. podcast, yeah, it's called. Yeah, it's like exactly that. You know, just when I get the opportunity... I take the binoculars out I mean I'm not you know serious. then there's twitchers and that's the next level oh, yeah. and twitchers are like they, they're really into it for the for the science of it and the spot of it and they're so super serious it's almost like the joy of it has gone out of it for them it's like they've all got pages
0: yes and I've the pages, and then
1: the pages go off somebody has spot a rare bird like a spoonbill or something in the tall valley and they'll be doo 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 be and they might be doing the middle of something and they'll just go spoonbill Go they'll just, they'll just leave whatever they're doing I'm not at that level I've seen
0: that in action I used nuts. to work at BBC Southern Counties Radio and the oh. sports presenter there I've forgotten his name John he was probably in his 60s yeah. he was due to retire at the time but he was obsessed you know he was one of these people and he had the pager and he used to if it went off there's a lesser spotted buzzard that's or it. whatever it is there. Yeah. there's probably no spots on any buzzards at all in Scotland totally uh, showing off my yeah. non-bird knowledge now a he, rough
1: leg honey buzzard.
0: That, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. He, it would go off and he'd leave. And it's like, well, you're the sports presenter on a major radio station. Yeah. We're in the middle of the World Cup, for goodness sake. You can't just no. go. And he'd go off for two weeks and live in a tent. And, you know, his wife, yeah. very understanding lady. His, his employer, yeah. the BBC. Taxpayers, very understanding about this.
1: Yeah. I know the thing is that actually that people just, they just, I mean, they, they become so obsessed with it. Yeah, you know, they they'll walk out of any situation, and sometimes they're a pest. They're actual nuisance. There was a bird. I think I can't remember. It was a, it was a, a European bird. It was like um, some kind of flycatcher. <laughs> like you know all flycatchers look pretty much the same anyway but it was in somebody's back garden I don't know
0: what flycatchers look like but I'm imagining oh. there's got like a specific kind of oh, beak. It's a tiny little bird catching.
1: with a little you know I mean and anyway it was in somebody's back garden and it was exhausted it was you know, on a migration and that's what usually happens when these things happen it's like birds are on a migration then there's a big storm, and the storm just blows them off course. And they're just exhausted, and they're just sort of, like, knackered in somebody's back garden. And then somebody spots them, and then they're like, these people are, like, their whole lives are turned upside down by these lunatics.
0: How do they think that the bird feels? Is that, you know, they're having a really bad yeah. day. They've been blown off course. They're yeah. feeling exhausted. They're not looking at their best. And some people, no. everyone's taking pictures
1: everyone's of them, taking me posting me. it
0: on social media. I know,
1: yeah, I know. exactly. Yeah. So
0: we've had some food arrive. Oh, um, yeah. Would you like some wine? Do anyone want wine or beer to go with that? Yeah. Yeah, I might beer. have
1: um, I might have a glass of wine actually. A little should. glass of bread maybe with
0: the cheese. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I might have a little glass of bread with the cheese. Yeah. Cool. And we've got That's some queso manchego by the looks of it. Um still Peel Great. I should explain we've got Alex here. Now Alex is my sound man and sound editor, which he usually does remotely because I record in England and he lives here. Yeah. By the power of digital power stuff, we <laughs> managed to create a podcast together. And so this is Alex. Alex's first live recording with me, and Alex also is a big Bill fan, and he wants to. He's got his own questions. He thinks he can do far better than me, so I'm going to let Alex have his okay, own uh, ask his
1: own questions. I'll have an olive, Volia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Would you do it now while we're having lunch?
1: We're doing I now. Do. It might be in do you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: So Alex reckons his questions are going to be far better than mine, which I'm sure they probably are. Actually, I haven't really asked anything so far, have I? We're just talking no. about no. birds going off course. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I've
1: got a of questions. Have you? Okay. Oh, good. All right. Yeah,
0: the flying variety. I go straight into them? Go yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, Let
1: me find my bird question. Mm. Uh, if you uh, if you ever discover a new species of bird, will you name yeah. it the Beald Bailey? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I. You know what? I. Uh, I wouldn't. No. Yeah. I'm not because that d- indicates. level of vanity which I'm not uh, I'm not known for although I have got a plant named after me so uh, yeah Um, it's a it's a pitcher plant a carnivorous pitcher plant and it's called nepenthes bill bailey and it's um it's a it's a great big sort of thing like that about that size weird looking thing and it uh, you know they, they have these little um, hairs at the top of the entrance of this this, pit, this kind of chamber, and then flies and insects come and sit on the edge, and it's, it looks nice. It's got sort of red. It looks like you know fresh meat or something. And then they, all the all the hairs are facing downwards, and they all slip down into the uh, chamber and are consumed by uh, enzymes. Is this what happens to you when you're asleep? Uh, yeah. Well, I, don't, I I was thinking, why, why do they? Why did they pick me for this? Plug? Yeah, this
0: carnivorous. This sounds like a hideous plant. It, it is, sounds it really murderous plant. What, what have you done? So I've like, been I just think some people it. get
1: like a begonia or something. A nice you know, rose. A rose. Yeah. Something benign. But I don't know. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps they just looked at me and thought, yeah, he looks like he'd <laughs> eat a fly if he could. <laughs> You're the, uh, the seventh greatest stand-up comedian out of hundred. Yes. Channel Four. Yep. Do you think you can take the top six on in a pipe-smoking contest? Oh, definitely. No, now you're talking. No, that's something I could really. (laughs) I could be top three, I'd have thought. (laughs) Although, I don't know. I mean, who's a pipe smoker out of that lot? That's true. No one. Can't see Peter Kay. Not Peter Kay. No, Bill Hicks. He never smoked a pipe. He smokes some other stuff. He smokes a lot of other stuff. <laughs> Billy Connery never. So yeah, I reckon if it's pipe smoking, you're after I always think a pipe, it just gives you a little bit more authority. You know. Or gravitas. Or gravitas, yeah. Or if, or if, honestly, if you get, if you had a builder come to your house to give you a quote for a new extension, <laughs> and they had a fag on, and they go, yeah, well we know, working first it first. You wouldn't trust them. You did pipe. You, 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 pick them. you pick them. you pick the pipe smoker every time. How
0: would you feel about well, the electronic cigarette guy that turned up?
1: Oh, no, I'd say no. He'd be in denial. Yeah. What happened on the 24th of February, 2018, that led to your first date being confirmed? And what was the mix-up in the first place? Is this the Mandela effect? Are you the real Bill Bailey? Or did CERN create an interdimensional replacement of you? <laughs> wow. Um, well, I'm lost. Well, no, I don't think I've... <laughs> you're saying I may have got some... <laughs> some doppelganger... <laughs> that it seems like that way because yeah i mean wikipedia somehow has independ- somehow spontaneously decided that's my birthday which it isn't I don't know why that's happened. So
0: hang on, Wikipedia has decided that your birthday is not your birthday.
1: Yeah, I don't know why, I don't know how that came from. Have it, like they aged you or younger you? It's a weird meme that's just sort of like, kind of sprung up. I don't even know how that came about, except that what it means is that on the 24th of February, loads of people send me messages saying, happy birthday. And I go, no, it's not a bit. And then eventually I just can't be bothered. I go, yeah, you great. I'll just have <laughs> two nice. birthdays then. Well, Thanks. like the, the queen. Yeah, exactly. Official one. When
0: Actually,
1: your birthday. It's January thirteenth. I don't understand. I'm Capricorn. I don't understand. Oh, I I it. It's not that far so apart. It's not that far It's a couple of months, for you. yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How mm. was it like growing up with your whole family living and working under one roof? It was. It was. It was not without its um, challenges. Obviously, uh, my grandparents um, lived in an annex at the end of the house my granddad was um, a stonemason, and he partly built this thing and uh, the idea was the theory was him and my grandma would live down the end we would live in the main bit of the house and my dad was a doctor gp his surgery was at the other end of the house so there's a whole sort of like there's livelihood and all family three generations and one one rope and so that was fine except that you know, sometimes the patients who came to see my dad would get through the wrong door and wander into the house and then there'd be these well, pretty like random strangers sort of <laughs> blithering around the house trying to find a bathroom and then my, my, my grandma bless her she was she was a she loved company so the idea of her sitting down at the end that this never happened so she spent the whole time in the house and my grandparents were there all the time my dad was working so when I came back from school it would be my grandparents meet me and say grill me about school you know like that is inquisition so occasionally they would sit up at night when I got teen years you know I was coming in late you know they were like oh I came in very late last night so there's all that pressure going on it was tri- it was tricky but um, it was um, it was a lovely lovely place to grow up in the sort of rural part of the west country so um, staying in your teens what was life yeah. like behind closed doors oh the name of your that band. was the name of my band that's right yeah it was you're right um, yeah we uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got that name I think that's because we never actually got to do any gigs <laughs> mainly rehearsal but we did a few school gigs
0: should have been behind garage behind doors, garage maybe, yes yeah. it
1: was <laughs> behind behind closed garage heavily closed. L- firmly securely locked doors now we <laughs> from the outside from the outside <laughs> um, we uh it was good fun you know that we uh we had a sort of, you know, a sort of kind of keyboard pop rock prog, you know, collective, a loose collective of musicians that came and It was a bit more. It was a bit more bombastic than that. I think it was a. There was elements of. Uh, there was. I mean, I was trying to get all the keyboards. A bit Rick Wakeman in there. It was quite a lot of yes. There was a little. Yeah. There was a uh, yeah. <laughs> Cadence. Loads of keyboards of wizards hat. And um, there was a bit of that. Lots of effects. Lots of smoke, dry ice, we did all that. Um, Yeah, it was good fun. Did you spend much time in Memorial Park? Um, in in Bath, exactly. Yeah, um, we, we did actually. It's Bath is a is a lovely place. I mean, it's a funny place to grow up as a kid because it's like the whole city is geared towards tourism. You know, it's all about the Bath, the floral city, the greatest. And as a as a teenager, you know, it's not a sort of place you can. There's no like. There's there's the you know there's the sort of the badlands of Bath. You know, it's like the the kind of the rough area. You know, the sort of like the the, the, the downtown. It's it's just all tea shops and, and <laughs> floral displays and lovely lovely streets and you know tea sh- and more tea shops. You
0: can have good scones or bad scones. Yeah, that's you know? right, yeah. Good tea or bad yeah. tea, weak the, tea. The strong bad tea. side of the tea yeah. shop. You know it you go to
1: bad tea. That's quite a mild, yeah. Play have achieved is being made an honorary member of the Society of Crematorium Organists. Yes. I was just wondering if you ever played Disco Inferno, at one of those Ah-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? That would be um... I think it's not, It's not beyond the realm of possibility. Some people like that, you know. They want a, an unusual request. I don't know quite whether... It, I've never really exercised my full right as a member of the crematorium organist society. I don't know whether that means... Okay. A, I don't know. I think I might be able to. but like, you know, you're in a funeral. And, 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 yeah, and, the, and the pianist doesn't turn up and I can just go, excuse me, excuse me, and just, like, hold up some sort of, like, a bit of a... Oh, is there a
0: crematorium pianist and, Is there a crematorium organist?
1: <laughs> no, okay. Well, actually, I think you'll find there is. You know, I'm waiting for that day. i will live for that day. My last question then is: Clark uh, Troll it was the, the big DVD that really put you on the map, yep. in my opinion, in 2004. Yeah. 16 years later, do you think you've now achieved full troll status? Full troll? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I was. Uh I think I was accepted in Norway, I did a review in Norway and, and, and Troll was used in the review and you know that is the ultimate accolade, that's the land of trolls, you know, I think it was called Gandalf's twin troll, so uh, I mean I'm, you know, I'm very happy with that, so yes. Full troll.
0: (laughs) How do we feel about your questions, Alex? Are they all right? Yeah, compared to me, yeah, mine are are just rambling conversation. A
1: couple more.
0: Well, anyway, we've got the wine. We've got wine, which is the most important thing. It's called Ribera del Duero. It's a. Cheers. Cheers, Not cheers, cheers, cheers. Everyone orders, people will order Yeah. <laughs> cheers. Oh, yeah, cheers. <laughs> and um, I hope you've been enjoying Malaga. Have you got somewhere else to go on the tour you're carrying on? We've oh, been good. to yeah.
1: Um, yeah, thank you. Well, no, that's it in terms of Spain, isn't it? Yeah. We've got, um, we're well, going back home now just for a few days and then back out again next week, isn't it? Going to sort of um, Utrecht, Munich, so it's Germany... Bit of Holland, and then potentially Portugal and Greece.
0: You spent but, a lot of time in Indonesia. Yeah. And in the show last night, you had some great Indonesian travel story. In fact, travel stories are just brilliant. I don't know where to start, and I love travel stories yeah. on the travel podcast. Hit me with your best Indonesian travel story.
1: I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Indonesia is like, is, is, as I say, it's a beautiful country, but it is, it's chaotic, you know, and. Um, there's a place we go to quite a lot down in the eastern part of Indonesia, in the Moluccas. And it's actually an old Dutch, it's part of the Dutch sort of East India Company. And there's a big nutmeg trade down there. And there's an island there called Banda and it's a stunning jeweled in the middle of this sea and it's. It's, they still cultivate nutmeg there, and um, we were there once, and there was a, there was as usual. There's some trouble. That, you know, there's a strike, or the airline's gone bust, or you know, it's, it's always something like the ferry that used to run twice a week now runs once a month, and then it sounds it
0: was, a bit like Brexit Britain. Yeah, well it, yes, <laughs> that's what we're that's aspiring to. That's what we're, that's to, what we're yeah. headed
1: towards. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and. Um, and there is, I mean, you know, I mentioned the thing about the in the show about you know the plane taking off early. We we once persuaded a pilot to take us with two two hundred fags. He <laughs> just said like we had like four hundred cigarettes, and he went, yeah, all right, you know, I'll take, you know we a bottle of Johnny Walker and Once right I was on this, uh, we're on this island, we're trying to get off the island, and um, it's difficult. There's no ferries, and there was one flight, which was it had a 12 seat and we were all trying to get on this flight, and um, I went to the little airline and the guy said to me, um, I said, uh, do you have any, is there any way we can get two seats on this plane? And he looked at me and he said, white English, like that. And I went, oh. And, I was, and you know it's interesting. Like sometimes you get that bit of you think, oh, okay, yeah, no, there's a resentment towards us, and yeah, okay. I get that in Hong Kong after the after the handover. You know, taxis were like would go past you and pick up two Chinese people. Go, oh right, okay, you know, this is happening now, is it? Oh, this is the thing. And he said, white English, and I went, and I pretended not to hear him. I just went, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, two tickets, and he said it again. Tapped his clipboard. He just looked me in the eye and went white english like that and then i started this ridiculous apology for For the whole British colonialism, colonialism.
0: Yeah, For the you know, last three, four years.
1: Well, I know that you may feel that but I think it's and I know that of course, yes, uh, over the centuries uh, Britain has uh, um, imposed uh, sometimes uh, an egregiously violent rule upon the local population and uh, for which I can, I, there's no, and I just went on and on and I said but I think it's unfair of you to put that on to me. I think that, you know, we should sort of move on in the spirit of like, this blah, 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 with all this great big long and and then he looks. He was like baffled what I was talking about. And what he was actually saying was waiting list, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was going waiting list. I mean, yeah, what? Oh yeah, I was, yeah. Sorry, forget that. Yeah, I don't apologise. You know, like, yeah. it's like I take it back. I didn't mean it. Yeah, Royal Britannia Stick it out. Yeah.
0: Well, there is that sort of history that we have. I get a lot. I have a lot of explorers on the podcast. I have a lot of you know non you know, people that just go on the holiday to Torremolinos, yeah. for example but I do get a lot of yeah. explorers and there is that sort of traditional thing of you know there was the grand tour for example yeah. but with the, the whole travel thing does go kind of hand in hand with our colonial or embarrassing in many ways I'm proud to, of some of the achievements but our colonial past you yeah. know sort of white man travelling and yeah. you know there are a lot of travel logs on TV with celebrities and you've done some great shows mm. with wildlife but you know there's, there's always that juxtaposition isn't there between sort of and travel right. and, and, and conquering
1: yeah, yeah you can't sort of avoid it in a way sometimes and I'm aware of it as well you know so that's probably maybe why I always feel like I, it's the onus is on me to be to learn more of the language to sort of be more sensitive because you know Maybe I'm I'm coming in the footsteps of like you know decades of insensitivity. <laughs> you know, people have like not bothered to speak any of the language. They're expecting you not to speak it. I mean, I saw that in Greece. God, you know, years ago, an old school friend of mine wanted to go on a holiday to Greece, and they hated us. They hated every single one, and I kept trying to explain to them, "We're not all like that," and they just looked at you and go, "Yeah, yeah, you're white out. English, white English." <laughs> and the only place actually I remember there was a sort of residual kind Of longing or nostalgia for British. Music. I was mean, in India, bizarrely, and I was in, well, perhaps not, perhaps understandably, I was in Agra and I was filming a doco about bears, dancing bears, because there's a big, you know, there's the thing there, people, this, this, this tribe, the calendar people, they dance bears and they get money from tourists, it's terribly cruel. And, and we were, 12, but I was, I was working with a charity to try and phase it out. And, but also give these people a job at the end of it so they were working with the government, get them a grant so that, you know, you weren't just, it's like some sort of liberal guilt, you know, we don't like your dancing, stop it, and do something else, you know. It was actually a a kind of quite a, you know, a holistic sort of scheme to try and provide them with a livelihood. Anyway, I was staying in this hotel and I came down to the lobby and there was a shop in the lobby of the hotel and it was selling things. It was my last day and I thought, well, i better get some gifts, you know. So I thought I'd get some tea, you know, it's always a good present from India. And I said, oh, and I put a pile of this tea up on the counter and I said, can I have this? And then he said, yes, of course, of course, sir. I said, um, can I put it in my room? And I said, and he was, oh, know I'm very sorry, sir. Um, you know, we, we don't, we're a separate shop. We don't, we can't put it onto the room of the hotel. We have to pay. And I said, oh, sorry, I haven't got any, I haven't got any money on me. My wallet's in my room, sorry. And he, he looked at me and he said, take it, take it, sir. I trust you, you are an Englishman. Wow. And I was like, wow.
0: That is very That doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. I've got uh, so many things to say. There's so many things to unpack there, but I'm making a podcast at the moment, a, po- a series of podcasts uh-huh. with a lady called India Hicks, who is the granddaughter of Lord Mountbatten. Right. I'm making it with her and her mother, who is Lady Pamela Hicks, mm who is the daughter of Lord Mountbatten and of course they were there she was there she was 18 when her father went and was the last viceroy of India and their stories are just incredible absolutely incredible yeah. on the other side of that there's a lot of resentment but a lot of respect as well mm. on the other side of that my mum and dad my mum who's English my dad who's Indian Fijian they never understand each other obviously never know who they who no, they are, who no, are no, these people but they went on a tour of all those places like Similar, the hill station and everything and then we're going down to breakfast in the morning and the Indian person sort of standing next to the on the door as it were of breakfast stopped my dad from going in. And and he was like, oh, but I'm you know part of this talk group. He was like, no, sorry, no Indian people at the breakfast. He was like, what? There's, I mean, again, there's so much to to, oh. to deal with. And that yeah. one, it's like one, but I'm with them, but two, why not? You know, what's yeah. wrong? We're in India. What's wrong with the yeah. Indian people coming That's in? Weird. But yeah, 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 it was yeah. wrong, all But so it's interesting to see that happening in reverse.
1: It is, yeah. And I think that there's, yeah. I mean, there's. It, 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 it's, I think it's a fascinating area, actually, I mean it's an interesting subject, anyway, to as you say, to explore because it's quite nuanced, isn't it? There's, there's obviously there's elements of it where there was just oppression and violence and all the rest of it, but then there were some good things as well. I think the good things, the good side of it, often gets sort of swept away with all. A kind of sense of like it being an in, an invader or occupies or whatever in a sort of simplistic way, and there was some good done, and there was some you know elements of the culture that rely on that. And in fact, some of the I think some of the kind of greatest elements of culture are where you have this hybridisation, and you have like you know a Dutch architecture in Indonesia. You know, it just it, it's a fantastic sort of combination. You know, sort of that, those are the things I think that yeah, it's it's. It's a, it's quite sensitive. It's a very sensitive issue to talk about because there's obviously there's one side of it, you know. But I often find that though, I often find it in countries that have been occupied. There's a sort of residual. Nostalgia
0: and respect for those, in some for those ways, days, yeah. you know.
1: Like in the, when we were doing gigs in some of the former Soviet countries, you know, the younger generation are like, "Yeah, oh, thank God, you know, get shot of those idiots. We can catch up now. Fifty years we've been on hold. And now we can have Wi-Fi and, you know, and, and all the things that everyone else has got." And the older generation are going, "Oh well, we miss it. You know, we miss the old days where we had everyone had a job and vodka was, you know, eightpence a gallon and." You Who wouldn't miss that? Exactly, you know, everyone had somewhere to live and it was fun and we sang songs about the great, you know, it probably was, or like most nostalgia is rose tinted, it was probably pretty grim, but there is that, there's this sort of generational, you know.
0: I heard you had a very hair-raising car journey in India.
1: Oh my! It was t- it was absolutely it was terrifying. Uh, we arrived in um, in Delhi, and then uh, I, a, a guy, this driver, came to pick me up to drive me to Agra. And uh, so we started we started off, and it was a beautiful evening. It was like sunny during the day. The sun was setting this beautiful orb of the sunset. We were driving down this road, and. Uh, I'm saying oh this is beautiful this is fantastic and then we're on a two-lane dual carriageway and we're barreling along in the outside lane and then the driver slows down and there's an ox cart coming the other way the wrong way up in the outside lane of the dual carriageway like if that happened in Britain, that'd be on the six o'clock news you know ox loose on the a1 but here is just and he just sort of waggled his head and just drove around it and the bloke waved to him extraordinary. And I just sort of relaxed into it. And then a bit further on, you know, we saw a crash, which just looked terrible. These bodies. It was like, oh, my God. And then a bit further on, we were driving. It was dark now. And then a little guy on a motorbike was driving along on the inside lane. And he looked in and saw me. And he smiled. He just went, hey. Like that. And he waved. And he went, ooh, like that. And a split second later, he, was like, he hit a, a big block of... A, 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 a huge bag of cement had fallen off a truck and he hit the bag of cement and he was over the handlebars and the bike went under the car There was sparks fried and then was this huge all my possessions went into the front seat I hit the back of the front car the, the seat the front passenger it was chaos it was absolute chaos and then we sort of skidded to a halt and we like got out and the bloke was sort of in a ditch we were like oh my god and then so like about six blokes just came running and picked him up and he sort of staggered to his feet and just waved at the car like I'm okay <laughs> so the driver waggles his head and off we go you know and I just so you, you just not, have to have an off-roading experience in Australia in a higher car Yes. Oh yes. Well, well, we did. Yeah. I mean, um, we uh, we rented a car because we stayed in a sheep station in rural Australia, and it was a fourteen-hour drive from Melbourne. And um, we, uh, I'd just done my back in, and I I was in agony. And and so my wife. she drove, and she was an experienced driver, but she was you kind know, of keen. Anyway, so we were driving along, and um, it's just dirt tracks up in that part of Australia. So we were driving along, and then we were just sort of like, I registered it was a bit bumpier than it had been, and, um, and then then I sort of kind of said, "Well, where are we?" And we stopped. We looked around. We'd been driving off. We were just driving through the desert. We went off the dirt road, and we were just we'd headed off right to the middle of the desert and um, honestly we looked around and then we saw a truck in the distance like sort of with the dust coming out I don't know if we hadn't seen that truck I think we'd have just carried on we'd have ended up in Darwin I was like, well we wouldn't have ended up in Darwin we'd have ended up in the up desert, just, the middle of the desert just two skeletons yeah. you know <laughs> it
0: happens it happens
1: yeah yeah I know no. so so uh, it was a lucky, lucky escape.
0: I love what you said about um, Australian customs, and I don't mean traditions. I mean the actual customs, yeah. the d- different customs around the world.
1: Yeah, very, very strict. Because New Zealand and Australia, they have these very fragile. Um, agriculture these fragile sort of e- e- ecologies New Zealand particularly New Zealand is very prone to any sort of invasive species and it can decimate an indigenous you know, species like um, three years ago there was a, a problem with a Siberian tussock moth and this thing was a sort of always problematic I hate those things oh,
0: I've always got, had a go back worse moth uh,
1: <laughs> that's exactly. right I know in, in the moth
0: if I had to graze my yeah, moth if you were grazing your moth
1: so Be right, right down the bottom. the Siberian tussle, evil moth, and it was going to, it was going to kill all the local moths. And so they were paranoid about these moths. So we had to get, you know, it was like proper biosecurity. And they took um, my um, kazoo, right? They took my kazoo off me because it had a feather in it. And I, I said, what? It's a kazoo, but. no, no, it's got a feather in it. That's organic material. We'll have to take that off you. And so, and, I, and they were just going to just take it off me. But I, as a matter of principle, I made them quarantine it i I paid him to quarantine until I could collect it. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Australia's the same. Australia's prone to all these things. And so, um, yeah, you often, it's very strict. Once, and um, I was, we were in Indonesia and uh, we were somewhere where um, it was legal to sort of smoke marijuana. And uh, we'd, we'd, we'd had a joint. And then we got back to Australia. And of course, our clothes still reeked of it. And we got done by the <laughs> sniffer dogs. And I tell you, if you've ever been singled out into a group of travellers by barking dogs, it's really, it's one of the worst, most humiliating experiences.
0: You're thinking, like, what have I, you know, you're yeah. trying to think, like, have I accidentally got what a kilo of What have I done? What have I,
1: have I, hand <laughs> luggage? have I, have I, right, have I inadvertently become a mule? <laughs> yes. And these little dogs, so the thing is... I love animals as well, so I was I was like, oh, bless them, they're just, they're just, they're just doing their job. I don't want to, you know, it's like, when they said, have you got, yeah, you got any marijuana, are you in contact with marijuana? And I was like, I had to go, yeah, because I didn't want the dogs to get into trouble. <laughs>
0: Musical instruments. Your kazoo. You bring back musical instruments. Yeah. I once brought back a sitar from India oh, actually, yeah. uh, because my brother's a musician. Oh, right. And um, it was a sitar with two. You know, normally you get the the bulb at the bottom of a sitar. Yeah. There was a bowl. Uh, there was a big bulb at the top of it as well. Oh, and I remember wow. going through. I got some very strange looks going yeah. through customs and uh, from fellow travellers. And it came back from India intact. But when I tried to bring it from England to Spain, from London to Heath, to uh, Malaga on BA they smashed it no. they smashed it and it's it's an organic thing it's not made from wood it's made from like a massive pumpkin or something I don't know you know more about what it's made a good, in is fact. it gourd yes, it's yes a good. exactly it's made yeah. from a, a hollowed out vegetable isn't it is it mm-hmm. yeah that's right. But you collect musical instruments, if you yeah. can. Yeah, I've got
1: all sorts of things. Um, I bought um, a thing in China. I was in uh, in Dali, in Yunnan province. And um, we were staying at this funny little house, this little B&B. And in the evening, they had like um, performances by local musicians. And this little trio turned up. And this guy was playing this instrument. And it was... um. It was. I had a small sort of um, sound box, with a long thin neck, and three strings, and uh, it was called the it was called the Sheen And I, I was fascinated by this thing, and I said, um, "What is this thing?" And he called it like, the Huang or something. And I went, "Wow." turns out it, it means the thing with three strings, right? <laughs> and, um, and it was like, it had sort of snake skins. So it was obviously deeply kind of, you know, un-PC and uh, made of wood, and he'd made it himself. And I went round to him, and, it, and I, I was invited to his house. And he brought me in his house, and he said, and I said, I really like this uh, instrument that you've got. I said, what, what, and he goes, and before I could say anything, he goes, did you have it? You can have it. And I went, well, no, I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't come around. And he goes, no, he, and he sold it to me. It was like he—that's he, a sort of again, it's very Chinese. It's sort of like the idea of trade constantly. is uppermost in the minds of me coming around just to go, "I like the thing that you play." That didn't make any sense to him. He was like, "You want to buy, it right?" I went, and I sort of Went, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I did, yeah. Can I so I bought this thing. So I'm, yeah, I collect those things. Um, I've got an um, instrument. I bought a thing from Indonesia, a gamelan, and it was made out of. Uh, co- uh, sort of coconut husks to, to hold it together, and long sections of bamboo that were cut in half, so into a sort of a, you know, a kind of semi-circle, and then strung over a bamboo frame. And then the, the beaters were like bits of bamboo with, with car tyre that had been fashioned under the end. So it was like it's amazingly homemade thing, and uh, sadly it didn't survive. Again, it's like your. Sounds a bit
0: like Brian good. May's guitar. Yeah, it was.
1: It was. It was a That's bit like. It's got a that. bit of
0: shoelace. On it, was it was a
1: bit of shoelace. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, in the humid tropics, it was fine, but in the dry cold of Hammersmith, the thing it just cracked. <laughs> well, I'm really tempted to hollow out this bit of bread and see if you can play it.
0: Actually. <laughs> <laughs> About music but I wanted to ask you before I ask my last question you're so confident and so accomplished looking at your show last night you know you, you know, you, you speak languages you're intelligent you're on the right side of politics in my mind well. <laughs> certainly on the right side of politics and can yeah. eloquently you know talk about that and the music it's like seeing a, a rock star it really was but is there anywhere in the world a moment a story where you've, where you've felt out your depths
1: sometimes uh, um, yeah, the place is sort of like will confound you because, and again, and I and I always think this is down to um, my own lack of preparation for a place where you don't you haven't kind of seen something coming and then you are slightly thrown by it and that happened to me in Estonia when I was in the, in the Tartu, which is Estonia's second city and I've done gigs in uh, Tallinn and well, the Tallinn gigs were great, but 2 is in a rural, it's beautiful, but it's a rural, and anyway, and, and I asked the audience, very much like in the show last night, I said, oh, well, what do you think is the best pop song? You know, well, 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 you know, I like to uh, canvas an audience to figure out what, you know, where they're from, anyway. And so I asked this crowd, I said, I was talking about music, I think, I, was, I don't know what it was, it was around about the time, that you know, pop idol, and Britain's Got Talent, and all those kind of shows. And I was thinking, is there is that sort is, is of show here? Because these kind of shows go everywhere. And I was saying, have you got this sort of show? What's your sort of favourite music? And the whole place just clammed up. And everyone, I could see all these people like folding their arms and looking really uncomfortable. and I see. What have I? what? What have I, what's happened? And it was literally, it was like, the temperature dropped in the room by several degrees and I got nothing at all. I said, like, what have I done? And then of course, it dawned on me, like gradually, gradually, that this is a nation that until quite recently been under a very, very strict Soviet rule where if you were even heard to be listening to Western music, the secret police Dob you in and you'd be carted off to some bloody prison. And I thought, oh oh yeah, I can't ask people what their music is because there's, you know, exercising opinion. In trouble, and it was like a learned. It was like, almost like a sense le- memory. It was like a learned response, because of course the audience, you know, the younger crowd, were like, they, they, some of them would think about answering, but most of the crowd were like they pretty lived through it. You know, this is like real for them, and it was only until the second half, and I said, so I realised what's happened now. You know, and I can sort of get around this by saying, you know, oh, I, yeah, I kind of realised what happened, but that was a real. It was a moment where I thought, actually, you know, what I love this job because comedy has has actually given me an insight into this sort of this cultural phenomenon the socio sociological kind of phenomenon but it's a sort of country that's still hampered it's still completely you know almost crippled by this fear of expressing independent opinion
0: do you know about the singing revolution
1: in Estonia the singing revolution yes, yes I have heard of it because
0: yeah. sing- I just don't, I don't know if it had anything to do with it and I don't know what year it is of course I've got my phone I can look it up so um, if anyone wants to fact me, check me please do so but the singing revolution I've been to uh, Estonia and the singing revolution was when they got rid of the Russians mm. because they all started to sing and I'm just thinking they all got together there was this the, there's this beautiful am- natural amphitheatre just outside Tallinn a the yeah. river beautiful place yeah. and they started to sing and it was a Very, very peaceful process. And I don't know whether their singing was just so bad. That
1: that yeah, the Russians like, were up. Right. You oh, have it. Sorry. On it goes. And I'm thinking maybe. You're to
0: it. Maybe that was what was going on at your gig, is that they're just so embarrassed about the quality of their singing. <laughs> right. yeah, you know right. about the singing you're revolution. Like, you're taking the piss out of our Maybe
1: that bridges. was it. Maybe, like, oh yeah, yeah, you come yeah. here, buddy <laughs> Londoner. You come <laughs> talking here and about talking songs. about your pop stars, <laughs> <laughs> making us do our terrible singing again. <laughs> you bust.
0: I think that's exactly what was going on. Yeah, no, you're very right. Which brings me. Nicely onto my last question. My yeah. last question is always about music because no. I think that I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me, but music and travel go very much hand in hand. It yeah. helps cement a moment if you're listening to a particular song or whatever. And if you had to pick one song that reminds you of a memorable moment of travel, what would that song be and why?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, it would be difficult to pin down. I mean, my favorite song is, is Once In A Lifetime by, ta- by Talking Heads, because it's sort of, it's a song that just, it's, it's meant so much to me throughout my whole life, and, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was a teenager, it was like different, it was new, it was New York, it was, so it was American, it was, it was post-punk, it was, it felt intellectual, I don't know what it meant, but it just felt, you know, smart and interesting, and then... When I sort of grew up a bit I realised, oh I love the lyric, the way it's recorded, I love the sort of layered keyboards, the production values of it, the whole thing. And then in my later life I realised, actually this is me, this is like, how did I get here? You know, is this my beautiful house? Is this my beautiful wife? How did I get here? You know, those are the words I say to myself you know, almost, you know, all the time. So, so that song, I think that kind of, I remember listening to it, I had it on my phone. And um, I think it sort of came about in one of those moments where I think it was, I listened to it recently actually. Um, I had it on my phone and I was, I was in the Garrier Reef in Australia and I just dived with uh, whales. You know, it's one of those things, you know, you come out of the water and you're just being two feet away from a whale and then the whale's looked at you and it looked right in the eye. And I came out, I was in a state of almost euphoria. How did I get here? How did I get here? And they put the music on. This
0: is not my beautiful
1: whale. This is not my beautiful whale. How did I get here? <laughs>
0: I love it thank you so much for coming on the Big Travel Podcast you're welcome shall we carry on drinking this is great isn't it this This cheese is one of my favourites good good manchego cheese good uh, ham ham on serrano so
1: the kind of thing this is like this is my that's why I love Spain this is my perfect way of eating little plates little nibbly things not a great big here's a great big dinner go on plough your way through that
0: Thank you so much, Bill, and what a brilliant guest you've been. Coming up next week, we have writer Sophie Roberts telling us all about The Lost Pianos of Siberia. You don't want to miss it.